Hey guys, this is Sarah from Engage Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast today. Subscribe to our podcast channel in iTunes so you'll get sermons as we upload them. We would love for you to leave comments and like our podcasts in iTunes as well. If you have any more questions or want more info about Engage Church, check out our website at engagechurchduluth.com. Enjoy. We just want to welcome you, and hey, if you've been here with us since the beginning, we want to say welcome to you too. We're just so glad that you're here this morning. How's everybody doing today? Okay, we got like four people awake in here this morning. That's good. Keep driving that coffee in you, and we'll get there. Um, yeah, just uh, incredible, uh, incredible things God's doing in this local ministry. I'm, I'm so excited. It's awesome to have things like the, the Rhubarb Festival that we can partner with. You know, when you're a new church, kind of up and coming, and you have lots of new people coming in and out, um, it's hard to always have projects that we can do to, to be able to use our giftings and, and serve. And so when we get to join with people like Chum and bless them and, and have them put on this entire event so we can go out and, and do some work, it's just awesome thing. So I really encourage you to be a part of that. And uh, just look on our website for other things in the summer going on. There's, there's lots of little things and we're excited about that. So today I just want to start off by kind of putting a question out there that I think all of us have probably asked ourselves at one point or another, maybe somebody else. But I think we've all heard ourselves saying something like, if I only had blank, life would be easier, life would be better, I would be happier. If I only had blank, fill in that blank. I mean, it might be, if I only had time, life would be easier. If I only had more money, life would be better. Now, I don't know if I necessarily disagree with that, but, you know, we've all said this. Myself, personally, if I only had more hair, I'd be happier. I so bad want to do that, you know, like, just get the hair thing going, but it's never worked out for me. When I was 19, I started losing my hair, so whatever. I'm cool with being bald, but it'd be nice to wave it around once in a while, you know? I'd do that. But anyhow, so, you know, somebody like me, or maybe somebody, you know, this, this can actually, you know, that's kind of funny, but this can actually be really intense for us as we think about this, as we think about our greatest need is maybe it's, you know, if God could only heal me, I could be happier, my life would be easier, I'd, it'd be simpler, right? If, if, my, if, if God could just intervene in my marriage, I'd be happier, life would be better. We, we've all said this, and we can go on and on. You know, if, if my job, if my husband, if my wife, if I had looks like Brad Pitt, I don't know. Like, we can fill in lots of blanks in that one. Where I want us to go today, I want us just to kind of clear our expectations for today out of our brain, okay? Clear your experience out. And I want you just to kind of think of, now this is intense. I'm asking something intense here, and I understand that. But think of right now your biggest need, okay? Your biggest need. That's different for everybody in here. And I want you to kind of hear this message through that lens, okay? So, so just think about that, and, and, and I know that's heavy for some of us. Others, it might not be as heavy right now, but that's a, that's a heavy thought, And just kind of think of this message through that lens, because this is what the truth is that I want you to know, and we we put it up here, but it is, your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. I want you to to think about that through this uh, message today. Now, I'm going to be going through a story here kind of fairly fast to get us kind of set up. And, um, and so I want to kind of give you a little bit of backstory here to, to help along. But this is, there's three kings 
okay, in this story. We're looking in the Old Testament in 2 Kings, and, and there's three kings. They go out into this field, and they decide, hey, we're going to join forces. We're going to go into this war, and they, they go out into this desert. They take all their armies, and they really think they got it going on, right? I mean, we've all been there. Like, we think we got all our ducks in a row, whatever, and it ends up being that this war becomes very difficult for them. They actually find themselves losing it. And I think we can relate with those three kings. Like we head out in life and we just think it's going to kind of coast through and then bam, speed bumps and things get hardened. So this is where they are. Like something that they expected to be easy didn't really go as planned. Their armies are marching around for seven days. They, they're getting, you know, really their behinds kicked. And, and then they, um, they're, they're thirsty now. And we're going to read some of this. It'll, it'll kind of fill in the blanks. But this is where we're at. And again, through the lens of your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. These armies, these three kings, they had to start depending on God. And Elisha, who we've been learning about last week, uh, we started to see that Elisha, not Elijah, it's very confusing as we read through sometimes, but Elijah took Elisha under his wing and started to teach him. And Elisha, when he had the opportunity to obey God and just go, he just went. In fact, he was actually, his job was that he would, he would till up fields. And so he had a plow, and he was looking at the behinds of oxen like his whole life. Not a very fun job, if you ask me. And, and he saw this opportunity that, that God placed in front of him. And he didn't have to pray about it. He didn't have to weigh the pros and cons. He knew that it was from God because of the way that he prepared himself before this time. And what he did is he's like, I'm not only going to obey, obey, but I'm going to step out and I'm going I'm to make sure that I burn the bridge behind me because I know God has me going in this direction. And I'm not only going to uh, sacrifice the oxen and feed everybody here, but I'm also going to burn the plow, like the way, the, my means of living, I'm burning that. And he burnt that. And he just walked away because he knew that he was walking into a blessing. He did some amazing things. And this is kind of where we're at. So we're going to start in second. Kings 3, 9, and 12. We'll start there. Again, we're kind of, kind of reading a lot in the beginning here, so just follow along, if you will. So the king of Israel sat, set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, there, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. So now they're in a tough spot. Again, right, didn't quite go as planned. And here's their response to that. What, exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab, which is the, the enemy? But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer, an officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha is here. He is, or he used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Elijah was known as like this great prophet, so everybody kind of knew his name. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Now, in other words, what these kings started to do is their idea was, okay, you know, we, we went out, we started doing things kind of our way, we thought this thing would go easy, now we're in a bind, and maybe there's like, we've, we've heard of some prophets and they've been able to do things because Elijah was actually known that he prayed, and there was a drought, and he prayed for rain, and here came rain. And so now they're thirsty, and they're thinking, hmm, maybe there's some prophet that can kind of do this rain dance type of a thing, bring us rain, we're at least going to be able to drink, and, and, and so on and so forth. 
And what they knew about Elisha already, so they knew that about Elijah, but what they knew about Elisha was from the time that he had burnt his plow that we talked about last week, there's some time in between here to this scene. And what Elisha had done, one of the miracles was that he actually parted the Jordan River. I'm not talking about Moses and the Red Sea thing. This actually happened again in the Jordan River. He, he actually parted waters. Crazy. And then there was actually this, another thing that he did with water is that there was a spring that was like kind of poison, toxin, whatever you want to say. There's bacteria in it. And he like kind of spoke to the water and healed the water, if you will. It was like pure and everybody could drink from it. So these are some things that they knew at the time. So when somebody mentioned Elisha, they're like, ding, 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 answer to my problem. Okay, like I know we're, we're moving a little bit fast in this story, but kind of follow along with me because we're coming to some points here. So this is where, where they're at. Um, another thing that I can appreciate this is actually something Elijah did that's just kind of a fun story. It uh, has nothing to do with water, but there were some boys kind of taunting him because they were calling him baldy. This is a lesson for all you guys. This is in your Bible. Read up, read up. They're calling him ba baldy, and so he summons these two bears out of the woods, and they attack the boys, and it's like an ugly scene. We won't really get into that, but... I'm just letting you know, the baldy comments need to stop, and they need to stop. No, no I'm just kidding. That's all good. Uh, I'm totally fine with being bald, by the way. People are like, man, he really has a complex. You better be careful. No, I'm, I'm good with that. But that really happened. That's in your Bibles. I'm not making that up for a story. It's, it's true. So the attitude of Elisha when he gets approached, and we're going to read on here and see this, is he's kind of like, hmm, so now you guys got yourself in a difficult spot, and you want the Lord now. Like, God's good for you now. And so he kind of comes in with a little bit of an attitude as he's being asked here, and we're, we're going to see that. But um, this is kind of where, is he, where he's at, and, and we're going to keep reading here in 2 Kings 3, 13 and 14. It says, Elisha said to the king of Israel, why do you want to involve me? This is kind of a little bit of cockiness there on his part is really the way. Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. I mean, wow. Talk about a nice guy right there, huh? No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. So he obviously had some uh, uh, respect and, and um and this is where he found himself. So we go down into verse 15, uh, 3, uh, 15 here. It says, but now, so, so Elisha made up his mind. He's like, I'm going to help. He's like, but now bring me a harpist. So not only do I want a little mood music before I prophesize, but I want you to go get the most impossible thing to move because like harps are huge and, and big and I know we look at them as like little things. And, and he wants this, this harpist because he wants a little mood setting. As, as we, uh, or before he prophesies. And I just want to say this, this is really like not really anything profound on today, but if you're a follower of Jesus here, you may like music, you may not, but there is something about a mood being set from music. I mean, sometimes when I'm in my car, I love listening to the Audible, like I listen to a lot of books, because to be honest with you, I have so many, it's just really hard to read, but I'd like to get through them. 
and so I like listening to that, but sometimes it's like, you know, your brain overload and you just want to hear some music and pray, and, and I'll throw on, um, you know, Frank Sinatra. I'm kidding, but I do like Frank Sinatra. But we'll just listen to some worship music and just have time with God, and there's just something about that that, that just allows you to, to really worship. So I understand the mood setting here by Elijah, but I think it's just a very unique... Um, request, I guess, is, uh, is what I would say. So, very interesting. Now, I have something written up here different for 15 and 16. Um, it says, uh, oh, well, we already have it up there. So, anyhow, so this happens. It says, while the harpist was playing, uh, the hand of the Lord came to Elisha, and he said, this is what the Lord says. I will fill this valley with pools of water. Now, this isn't the NIV, but really what brings this whole thing that we're talking about today is actually the King James Version, and I'm going to read that. I don't have it up here for you, but this is what he said. The same verse, it says this, Then it happened, when the music played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. So when the music was playing, this is when he started to prophesy. This is when he started to tell him, like, okay, this is what you need to do. This is from the Lord. And he said, Thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. Now that kind of changes some things from the translation there because what, what he was saying is, it's like, wait a minute. So, wait a minute. We've been out here for seven days. We're fighting this battle. We're walking around. And, and you come here, and we know that you've parted this river. We know that you've purified water that was like sour and no good for anybody. And you're telling me now, the kings are looking at Elijah, you're like, so God's saying, as my men are dying of thirst and dying of wounds and things like that, he's saying pick up a shovel and start to do manual labor? Like, that's the answer. That's the answer, is to dig some ditches. And again, that, that, the, the digging the ditches is uh, uh, part of the New Kings James uh, Version where I got that. But it really sets this up. In other words, remember your greatest need, they needed water. I mean, water was really important at this time. They needed to live. Their greatest need was a blessing, we're going to find out, because it draws them to depend on God. And Elijah is just like, Elijah, he just keeps going. And in verse uh, 17 and 18, he says, For this is what the Lord says, You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This, and I love the little bit of cockiness here, but this is more confidence than cockiness. I love this about Elisha. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver, just kind of like a bonus, like he's also going to deliver Moab into your hands. So you're going to drink, you're going to be fine, it's going to be all good. Oh, by the way, your enemies are going to be delivered into your hands. Like, God has this. And that's really where I want us to go just for the next little bit of time here that we're together is I want us to, to hear this. I want to talk about faith and works. Now, I, I, know that, I know that I would rather actually say it like this, faith that works. There, there's a type of faith that just brings about something. Uh, we... we we see results. We see God really respond and be faithful through this type of faith that will go on. Because one of the truths that here that I want to talk about is only God can send water. The water was just something God could do. Nobody else could do that. But sometimes he wants you to pick up a shovel and dig a ditch. Only God can bring the water. Only God can fill in that blank that we talked about at the beginning of the sermon here. But sometimes he's asking you 
to do a little ditch digging. And we want to go on and talk about that. The, the, the reality of it is, is that uh, James 2, uh, 26 says this, and I don't know if it's up there. I don't think it is. It's not. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also is faith dead without good works. I love that. So faith that works is that we, we have to respond. We have to put that into action. The, the question is, do we really think, do we really think, I mean, even if maybe we're not a fully believer here this morning, we think about like what a Christian would believe about God. I mean, this is, this is who we believe created the universe. The universe that breathed life into man. You know, that pulled a rib and created a, a partner, a woman, and that, that just called things into existence and that there's, there's billions of galaxies that are still like expanding to this day because he spoke a word. I mean, this is a big God. Do we really think, do we really think that that God, no matter where we're at with that belief, do we really think that that God needed them to dig those ditches for water? It was totally possible without them. But the thing that I've understood about God in my short time here in life and following him is that God often says, show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. Show me your faith. He wants to see that trust. We see it all the time. He wants to see us rely on him. Show me your faith and I'm going to show you my faithfulness. <coughs> Didn't want to do that one in your ear. Many times, God wants us to participate in his miracles. He wants us to participate in his miracles. I think I, I'm blessed to be a father of three. I got to participate in that creation and, and seeing that all come about. And now I get to, to be a parent and raise kids. Sometimes I don't know if that's a miracle or not, but it's there. It's there. You know, uh, 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 we, we get to join him. We see, that, um, we see this in scripture all over the place. You know, Moses, he was out and, and he was delivering some people and, and helping them leave uh, slavery. And God just says, reach out your staff and I'm going to part the waters for you. Like, I got this, but I want your faith to at least stand up and put your staff out so I can do what I do. I want to see your faith so I can show you my faithfulness. Follow, follow what I'm saying here. Another time, you know, Jesus has an uh, opportunity, and this is shown many times, but this man that was, that was crippled from birth, he asks him the simple thing is, do you believe? Do you believe? And then he says, stand up. Because the guy's like, I do. Stand up. He saw his faith first, and then he showed him his faithfulness. He says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk home. I want to see your faith so I can show you my faithfulness. Another man was blind, and he just says, do you believe again? I do. I believe you are who you say you are, right? It wasn't word for word like this, but that's how it went down. Then go wash your eyes in that pool over there, and you'll see. And the man did. I want to see your faith so I can show you my faithfulness. You guys follow? Good. You know, a lot of us, we're, we're this is a hard one not to go on like my, my opinion, so I'm going to be very careful of that. But we have a tendency to um, sometimes maybe be scared Maybe our culture is showing us this, but we're not often prepared to dig the ditches in life, okay? We're not often prepared that. In other words, I hear a lot of people saying this. I'm just going to talk about parenting for a minute. 
is, you know, I want godly kids. I want kids that want to be involved in church. I want kids that want to pray. I want kids that want to live out the principles. I want kids that have it better than I had. But yet, we're, we, we will never open up God's word in our home. Or we never model prayer for them. Or we never bring them to a church service or, or show them that a commitment to a local church has, has purpose and has a reason. See, there's a lot of these little ditches that we need to make so that God can bring on the water. What I would say is start digging ditches at home. Start digging ditches at home. Start, start talking to your kids about God. Well, I don't really know. That's fine. Show them commitment to your church and commitment to prayer and, and just the commitment that you're bringing God into everything that you're doing. That's just a little bit of advice. It's not a slap on the wrist or anything. I get things wrong all the time too. You're in good company. <coughs> a lot of us say, man, I want more money. I want my finances to go better. I, guys, I hear this all the time. That's why I'm talking about these things. It's, it's all the time. I just need my finances to go better. But yet, the, the principle that God puts so clearly in the Bible about tithing is something that we just put off to the side. I'm here to say it this morning. I'm just going to tell you guys that, okay? Like, we just, we just kind of push that to the side. Like, that's not a big deal. But yet, that is one place that God, the creator of the universe, the creator of you and me, the one that put breath in our lungs, the reason we are here today, has told us, test me in this. Because I want to see your faith. I want to see you dig that ditch in your finances so I can show you my faithfulness. And for those of you who have tithed, you have story upon story upon story of God's faithfulness. And I can tell you stories too. But, but it goes beyond that. Is we, we want to see differences in our finances, but yet we won't, we won't tithe. We won't live by that principle. We come up with all these excuses, but none of them are really a reason. And then we, we don't, we're afraid to budget because it's just overwhelming. And I get it. It's overwhelming when you have like this much in the bank and you need to be here to even think about budgeting. Like I get that but we won't even start digging those ditches towards that. We won't start showing God our faith so he can show us our faithfulness. And the reality of it is, is in our, in our finances, it's hard work. I have one small story. It's not that big a deal. But my wife and I, a year ago, <coughs> I'm sorry about that. My wife and I, a year ago, made the decision, Josh, you got to do something you don't really want to do. You're going to have to go and work a part-time job. I decided to work at Quick Trip, and we said, if we can do this for a year, we could pay off two of the credit cards that just seemed to be just hard on us. And I am so proud to say that we stepped out. We really believe, because that, that's hard when you're, when you're starting a church. Don't feel bad for me. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm just saying it's hard when you, when you have other things going on, and you want to be full-time you know, doing this, and it's like kind of pulling at your time and your desires, and like, you know, we've all been there and things. But we, we did that, and we started digging that ditch. And five months ago, the Lord allowed us to pay off those credit cards. And so every the last five months has been bonus. And, and I had the opportunity to put in my two weeks. I don't work at Quick Trip anymore. I'm just full-time pastor here. I don't know how long that'll last, but that ditch paid off. God brought about water that I couldn't. But we had to dig those ditches, I'm telling you. When we work hard and we live by God's principles in our finances, he will be faithful. He will be. I've seen it. I can bring people up here right now on the spot that can just tell you and tell you and tell you story upon story. Thank you so much, Cindy. I'd make everyone clap for you, but I know you don't like the public stuff either, so we won't do that. Yeah, all right. It's not fun until someone's uncomfortable at church. You know, you just got to... 
So, I, you know, that, that's something there. That's truth for you guys. You guys swallow that. Listen, at Engage Church, we want you to come in here. We, we want you to be 100% you. We embrace everybody here. But there's one principle that we just know. We know that God loves you where you're at, but he doesn't want to leave you where you're at. So if you feel a little convicted in an area, you feel a little uncomfortable, listen, nobody's coming down on you. We are all messy people. We all miss the mark. We all have areas we need to learn in. I would just encourage you, pray about that. See what God has you do. That's where we want you to be. This is not a slap on the wrist. This is not for you to walk away and feel bad about yourself. You were meant to be here today. We're so glad that you're here today. And God loves you, loves you, loves you where you're at. But he, want, he does not want to leave you where you're at. He has something better in mind for you. He has something better because he came that we have life and have it to the fullest. And these are areas that hold us back. He wants us to participate. Some of us in our singleness, you know, I got a buddy. Oh, man, and I don't want to knock, him, uh, knock on him. But I got a buddy. He's single. He's getting a little bit older. He hits the gym. He does the right stuff. You know, he's, he's sharp. He's got a good job. And he's single. And he's like, oh, yeah, I want to be married sometime. The guy never asks a girl out. I mean, never. So ladies, if you're single, you're looking for a nice guy, as long as you don't mind long distance, because he's in Arizona, I can talk to you about him. Get you on Facebook and Twitter and all that good stuff. But come on, guys. We have to dig some ditches. We have to dig some ditches. God wants us to participate. Only God can send water, but sometimes he wants us to dig a ditch. Are you getting the fact that we need to dig some ditches in here once in a while? That's the point we want to get across, so this is good. And then this is the last thing I want to talk about here this morning, is that faith, real faith, believes big, but is willing to start small. Oh man, I love that one because that is so for me. I am a bite off more than you can chew kind of guy. But real faith believes big, dreams big, sees big, sees the future, but is willing to start small. Is willing to start small. Some. Sometimes I think that, you know, the size of your dream, if it's not intimidating to you, I think that sometimes we're insulting God. But that's just my own little thing in there right now. I mean, I just, I get some crazy laughable dreams and, and uh, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I can't share that with people. They, they think I'm going crazy. Oh, I really think as Christians, these are, this is for the people that follow Jesus. This is just a thought. I really think that sometimes we just may not be thinking big enough. When we look at the city and we, and we look at what our role is as just individuals, because we are the church. It's not about this building or any building we'll ever be a part of. It's, it's you and I. We look at the city, we start to look at it kind of with that critical eye, and that's okay. There's a lot happening out there, but keep in mind, that's the world. That's the way that scripture tells us that they're going to live. And we're to be light in that world. We're to, we're to bring Jesus with us. And I think sometimes that we, we don't really look at the influence that we have and use it where we're at. We think that we, think that we can't be, uh, uh, produce anything, that we, that we can't be impactful. You're very impactful. Take Jesus with you to your job. Start at home with your kids and your family or your wife if you're, if you're without children right now. Start small. And see where it takes you. I love, uh, I love uh, Zechariah here, 410. And again, I'm not sure if this is up here. There's just lots of scriptures that came to mind this week. Um, so I don't think it's up there. But this is great. It says, do not despise. This is so true for me. And I'll tell you why in a second. I needed to hear this. Do not despise these small beginnings. Do not despise these small beginnings. 
For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Man, I got to tell you, like, even just starting this church, you know, as we got this all together, like, like my mind's just thinking, like, boom, like, Duluth, it's going to be awesome. And, like, you know, I'm just, I'm just excited to get going. And, and you start, and then all of a sudden you have your first get-together, and there's five people, and you're kind of like, all right. It humbles you very, very fast, okay? And, uh, and you know, oh, you know, to get 100 people gathered, that can't, you know, that can't take more than, like, what, two preview services and a good hoorah, everybody's excited. Oh, no. That's, like, two years in the making. And so it's just this idea, it's this idea that it's not to despise these small beginnings, actually embrace them. God is so thankful, showing so much favor to us for starting the work. Don't despise them, embrace them. I have a friend, here's just a couple stories for you guys that kind of started that way. I got a friend, um, a great guy. He grew up in Virginia, Minnesota. And his dad had a Goodyear tire store. It wasn't really that successful. You know, you think, oh, you're a small business owner, you're probably doing okay. Not really. And, and he kind of just had this dream, like, I'm going to take this over from my dad, and then I, I want to I really get a business going to where I can start some, like, tire recycling plants and so on and so forth. And, uh, and so he actually starts at the Goodyear tire store in high school for his dad, maybe even junior high, starts changing tires, digging ditches. Starts changing tires. And then after he kind of graduates from high school, he gets a little bit more into the administrative side, you know, the back end, the book work, and kind of like, oh, how do you build this business now? And he starts maybe making some moves with personnel and things like that and just kind of learning the business, traveling, just kind of barely getting by, things like that. And so on and so forth, he's digging these small ditches, learning the business. He ends up buying that location from his dad so his dad could retire. It was kind of a cool story because his dad really didn't have that in sight to be able to retire. The business wasn't doing good. So he gets his dad retired, and that, that just seems like a, a success, but that wasn't where his dream ended. His, his dream was much larger. I want to have a company that's like statewide, maybe even countrywide. And now, years later, I mean, I'm talking whew, 30 years later kind of thing. 30 years later... He actually has a company called Heartland Tire, and he owns 15 uh, recycling Goodyear tires all over Minnesota, and they're actually looking to expand that very quickly here in the next year. That'll probably double that and more, more on. So, so do not despise these small beginnings. If God's in it, he's there with you through it. Embrace them. Dig your ditches. How do you dig? You take a spade shovel, and you... And in Duluth, it's a little bit harder soil. So, you know, you take that and you throw it to the side. It's one scoop at a time. It's one scoop at a time. And there's something in us, especially that kind of that millennial age and the, you know, the 45 and below. I don't know what's been instilled with us, but we think that it's about having this bulldozer and we get it all at once. We're in this mindset that we want everything our parents, it took our parents like 30 years to achieve, we want it right now. And we, we got to get back to being willing to do the work and see the blessing in that as we learn and we grow. That's wisdom right there if you'll take that. I, I promise you, I had to learn that. I'm a guy that just sees things and it's like, let's go there, that's where it is. And, and I'm learning that I have to slow down and go at the pace of people and also the pace that God wants me to grow in. And it, it's really, really matured me in the last year. I had to learn that the hard way though. Um, I, I have a, there's a guy in Florida that I knew. This is just a small beginning. I thought this was incredible. He was 426 pounds, and he was a young guy. He wasn't even 30. 
And the doctors actually told him, like, you need to do something or you're going to, like, blow your knees out or you're just not going to be around and, and it's not good. And so he's like, what can I do? So he wasn't a Christian. He actually stood outside a church. He, for some reason, he felt like I need to go to church. He wasn't a Christian, wasn't a follower. And, um, and he stood outside the church, and he was really scared to go in the church because the way that he looked, and he knew that he just battled something in this area. And he stood out there. He said he was like almost shaken, but he said something like just inside him. He felt like a voice just said, just, just trust me and go in. Take one step. So he did. And that day, he came up front, gave his life to the Lord, and said, I just want you to have your way. He went home, he binge ate a box of Captain Crunch. I don't know what that was all about, but that's what he did. And then he got into a, a group that he could be held accountable, and he started walking. And then it led to some other things and some other things. Well, eventually, and it was only a, a short time after, um, I don't know how many years, but he actually travels around now. He's 184 pounds, and he's like cut up. And, um, and he travels around and he, he shows people how they can bring Christ into their life and be transformed because, I missed that part, when he was eating the box of cereal, God said to him in his heart, the same day that he brought Christ into his life, he said, I just felt somebody say, I have to change the inside before I can change the outside. That's what it was. And it changed his life. It changed his life and, and he goes on and now he, he goes around and he talks about how Christ has to change the inside before he can change the outside. And what a testimony that is. He started digging ditches one shovel at a time. One shovel at a time. That's overwhelming. But he did it and his life was transformed. See, God wants to see your faithfulness so he can, he wants to see your faith so he can show you his faithfulness. And then one story about uh, myself, just to throw this into perspective. This is kind of embarrassing to say, but I like to do that to myself for some reason. Um, when I was out in Mandan before I moved here, um, it was actually about a year and a half that I worked out at this church in Mandan in Bismarck, North Dakota. And I was a next generations pastor. It was a year and a half before we moved here. So there was a lot of planning. And I knew that I was coming to uh, start a church. But I had not really done a lot of speaking. I mean, I've done, I'd done enough, but I didn't feel like I had really got time in. So I'm an early riser. And I, um, at that time, I, I had an office. And so I was always at the church. And so I would just go in an hour early. And I would, I would write sermons. And I would go in and I would preach in the morning to three people. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I would just stand at this big, bulky, clear pulpit, and I would dream. And, uh, and I would do that, and I would try to bring out passion. I would just try to learn how to communicate. It was kind of weird. I, I get it, but that's what I felt like it needed. And sometimes I'd record myself and listen and hear where I'm, like, stuttering or saying, mm, um, and, and just trying to figure out how to communicate better. That was just something that I was digging a ditch and one day, we had this secretary. She usually came in at 9 o'clock. Her name was Linda. And she came in, and I don't even know what time it was. It might have been like 8 in the morning or whatever. And we had like doors that kind of closed in the back, and, and I was just kind of going, and I was like really feeling this sermon all by myself, right? I mean, you guys, since you weren't there, I'll just tell you it was awesome, okay? Um, <laughs> but uh, no, so, so all of a sudden I hear, amen. And I'm like, whoa. God just spoke to me, and he's a woman. What is going on? This is crazy. My whole world just tripped out for like a second, right? So I'm like, this is heated right here. I'm, this is awesome. But, but no, it ended up being Linda, and she came out, and she says, Pastor, she's like, man, you're, you're like passionate. She's like, I would have just thought there was like a thousand people in here. 
And I went back to my office, and I'm like, well, tomorrow i got to bring the heat even harder because in my mind there was 10,000 people there. And I just started to dream and dig ditches and dig ditches. And when I tell people about a vision of 10,000 people, they're like, wow, you're kind of, okay, dude, mega church pastor, like that's what you want to be. No, I could care less about all that. And if you really know me, you'll know that's true. I want to see 10,000 people come to Christ. I want to be baptizing hundreds of people a year. I want to be seeing the drug addicted in Lincoln Park and the run down hearts and souls that are broken and far away from Jesus. I want to see them connect with them because I know the life change that happens when that happens. I want to see our city that is a light of this state and they're wondering what in the world is happening in Duluth, Minnesota because there's a group of people that are just nuts up there and they all love Jesus and I don't understand what's going on. I want to see our mayor come into a a building and not be afraid to pray because they might offend one side or another. I want to see our police department just freely walking around the streets and know that there's a group of people that come behind them and want to strengthen them. I want to see our our driveways and our sidewalks free of the needles that when we go out and we take our kids to clean up garbage to show them uh, uh, principles of serving our city that we don't have to worry if they're going to prick their finger and get HIV or something like that. I want to see freedom. And I think that's what Jesus wants too. But see, only God can do that. But he's asking us to dig some ditches. And it starts individually. See, the hardest person, the greatest person you'll ever lead is yourself. There's nobody else that can lead yourself to Jesus. It's you. He's asking you to dig some ditches. Can you guys stand with me? I want to read you the last verse. And this is just so neat because when we're willing to have big faith, dream big, pray big, believe big, Man, I want those people around me. If you're that person, please come and talk to me. I want that encouragement because I'm a crazy man, a crazy dreamer, silly dreamer. But when we have the courage to do that, because it takes courage, and we're willing to pick up that shovel and do the small things first, this is actually what happens in 2 Kings 3.20. It says this, the next morning about the time for offering the sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom. And the land was filled with water. I just want to know what those people were thinking at that moment. I would just love to be around a scene like that. And do you realize that we might not be in a desert right now, all of us in here. We might not be in a desert, and we're certainly not in a war, and I don't think any of us did seven laps around the building in the last few days, and we're not thirsty. But I know that God is asking us to start digging those ditches and I want to see what we're going to see when we just wake up one morning and God says there it is that's what I could do there's the water that's why I wanted you guys to do this you're not going to see wind you're not going to see rain just start doing what I'm asking you to do be obedient in those things don't despise the small beginnings embrace them learn from them and just see where I'll take you let's pray Lord, we love you here today. Man, you're an awesome God. Your word is so true, so faithful. Uh, It's just so inspiring, so uplifting. I really don't believe in the whole goosebump on a goosebump, but sometimes we do kind of get that from you. And today, I just, I don't know, you're here. 
You're always here, but today you're here. I think there's a number of us, a number of us in here that needed to hear that message, including myself. We need to remember that you're for us. We need to remember that nothing's impossible without you, and we need to remember that you want to see our faith. You want to see our faith so you can show us your faithfulness. Lord, I'm just going to continue on with this prayer. And I, I mean, I just don't, my heart is like, I just don't want to be another local church that, that misses it over missing you. I want us to be desperate for you. I, I want to see a church that's not like running after circumstances and we just stop and we say, in these circumstances, we, just, we depend on Jesus. We depend on you. I want to see hearts that are full of courage that are just willing to obey. That may not look like dropping everything, selling your home, moving to like another country, but some it might. Maybe it's just joining the mission trip that we have in February to see what that feels like. I don't know what it is, what you're calling us into. Maybe it's just speaking up to somebody at work or, or telling our spouse today that we love them because we haven't done that in a while. Maybe for some of us, it's our first time here and the next step you're asking us to take, the, the next shovel full is to come back next week so we have an opportunity to tell you more about Jesus. I don't know what that is, Lord, but I know that you have called us here today for this season, this reason in our life, and there's not a person in here that you do not want to individually speak to today and that you do not want to move forward in life and advance forward we thank you for being that kind of God. You care about us so deeply and so personally. It, it kind of makes following you easy when we realize the love that you have for us. So we just give you the glory, Lord. We, we pray as we start to dig ditches here in this local church. We're looking forward to the day we see the water, Lord. We are, and we trust you for that. We just ask that you guide us along the way. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to add us to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Engage Duluth on Facebook and on the web at EngageChurchDuluth.com. See ya.